welcome to Re News, the weekly show brought to you from the editorial team at Trusted Reviews. I'm your host, John Porter, and together with the site's gaming editor, Jake Tucker, we're going to discuss the biggest technology news of the week. So, Jake, how are you doing? Pretty well. You yeah. know, this is the uh, first time on the podcast, so it's pretty exciting for me. Well, cool, cool. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, are you excited to join the big leagues? <sighs> Let's say yes. Let's uh, say yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So we got a, we got a pack show for you guys today. Uh, we're going to talk through a couple of the smaller news pieces of the week. Uh, obviously, have, we had QuakeCon over the weekend, which is uh, Blizzard's big no. Ah, that was so good as well. Was so I always this Bethesda. is a, this is a thing that I've done consistently is mixing up Bethesda and Blizzard. Uh, particularly with the big WoW announcements that have been happening recently, they've both kind of been on my mind and. Uh, yeah, so so either way, QuakeCon happened over the weekend. <laughs> Whichever publisher was behind it, we don't know. Well, Jake does, because he's actually good at his job. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Threadripper 2. Uh, and of course, we had the Note 9 announcement last week, so we're going to talk about that just a little bit before getting into the meat of the show, which is, of course, Gamescom. It's taking place next week, Jake. Are you excited? Yes. Um, I'm really excited for Blizzard's big show. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it, it should actually be great. There's a load of really fantastic games coming out of Gamescom. Um, we're looking at seeing some big announcements from NVIDIA, maybe about the next consumer card. Yes. Like, it's, it's a really big time for games. It's pretty much like, obviously, the Z3 in the US, mm. but Gamescom kind of feels like, ah, like it's our European show. Yeah. Also, I'm not jet lagged. That's the that's the best part. Exactly. About it. <laughs> and it's it's always really nice to see like a big company like Nvidia kind of save an announcement when you know so many companies they they hold off their big announcements until E3 and then Gamescom kind of gets like some scraps and stuff and they're like, hey, here's like a second trailer and you're like, <laughs> yeah, but it's no debut trailer, is it, guys? So it's like here's a hands-on for the game that you saw at E3 and yeah. wanted to play. Exactly. Well, like, are they working on the assumption that like European journalists can't can't fly to LA. They're like, oh no, they'll they'll never get get off the boat. They'll never bother to travel to LA for E3. Um, but anyway, we're going to get that into that in our second half. Um, but first off, we're gonna we're gonna talk about. I, I'm almost regretting now bringing this up, but it's it's QuakeCon, Jake. That that famous. And now you know what I've done. I've now said the words Bethesda and Blizzard too many times. Now I can't tell it apart in my head. It's Bethesda. Bethesda does QuakeCon because QuakeCon was ID's thing, and then Bethesda uh, bought ID ages ago. Yes. Okay. All thank, good. Thank God. Not a single error. <laughs> Why would you wait so long before confirming that I hadn't <laughs> just, embarrassed myself again? I was just watching your face. Obviously, we can't see it on the podcast, but just watching <laughs> you slowly go through the range of emotions. I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, so, Jake, what happened at QuakeCon, and should we care? Cool. So, I mean, the big... The big announcements, ultimately, are that we finally got to see what was going on with Doom Eternal. Okay. That's kind of the biggest thing. I'll, I'll loop back on that in a minute. Um, Quake Champions went free to play. Um, that potentially could be big news for the company. It's not really had much of an impact yet yeah. outside of kind of the Quake faithful. But this, I mean, like no price point to entry is the best way to get people to try this game out. Um, and so I think, I think it could be good for them. Mm. All they need to do now is they need to show that it's a... There's so many free-to-play games now that yeah. are good. They need to show that they can compete with that and that they can put out content that the audience expect. It's really weird to think of Bethesda as not having their multiplayer shooter, you know? Like, they haven't been lacking in, like, amazing single-player games. And, in fact, I'd probably say, like, they're probably the best in the industry now, like, big, expansive single-player games. Yeah. But, like, considering this is, like, you know, they own Quake. They are the Quake publisher. 
it's so strange to think that they don't have like their like multiplayer game when like even Blizzard has Overwatch now, you know? Um, do you think Quake Champions could be that game? Yeah, I mean, so I saw an interview a couple of days ago on IGN, basically, where they were yeah. talking about um, how Bethesda's got this massive expanse of properties now, right? They are working on so many different IPs. Mm. And um, BJ Blazkowicz from uh, Wolfenstein yep. and the Doom Slayer. I think that's what they call him, but Doom Guy. We can call yeah, him yeah, Doom, Doom, Doom Guy. guy. Right? Doom yeah. guy from Doom. <laughs> the titular oh, Doom guy. Oh, so he's from Doom. Yes. Sorry. I, yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, I'm on board now. They're both in Quake Champions as playable characters. Okay. And someone mentioned the kind of Smash Brothers connection. Mm. And they're like, you could bring in so many different characters from all of Bethesda's different properties. I mean, like Blizzard did that with Heroes of the Storm. Like, yeah. it is a popular thing for fans. Mm. I, I, And most of these characters come from FPS games anyway. So they've yeah. got mechanics that would weave in very nicely. I think they are sitting on a potential hit. I think they just need to find it, the audience. And if you look at Rainbow Six Siege, for example, yeah. that is a game that launched quietly, didn't, yeah. really, didn't really achieve what it wanted at launch. Mm. But they kind of pushed on and it found its audience. And I think Quake Champions could be the same. It's not where it needs to be now, but... Yeah. What uh, what would be your ultimate lineup for Quake Champions if they went down this route? Okay, so you got BJ, you got yeah, yeah. you got Doom Guy. Uh, there's the the Prey Chap. <laughs> I mean, there's there's Prey Chap from the original, but also there's uh, Alex Morgan, which could be male or female. That could be okay. different skins, I think. Cool. And then uh, you got uh, Bo Fella from Skyrim. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he could maybe have like a bunch of like Dragonborn like projectile attacks along along with a bow that. Has the rate of fire of a small machine gun. I'd want a super mutant from uh, from Fallout. That would be a strong one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, actually, like, if you had like a bunch of, I mean, yeah, like the power armor from from uh, Fallout would be very cool to see yeah. in Quake Champions. Like, and then kind of a bunch of like steampunk weaponry I could get behind. Yeah. That's okay. You're slowly selling me on on the Quake Champions idea, and like, I feel like this game has been around forever. Has it been in, in early access? When did it kind of soft launch? Um, so they kind of put it in beta, I'm going to say forever ago, because at the top of my head yeah. I can't think of the exact date, but it was kind of like, it was around for like 18 months. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of been in closed beta, open beta. It's out now, but it, yeah. there's an old adage in video games that you only get to launch once. doesn't matter mm. when you launch, you get one launch. And I feel like they had that for like their open beta. So people ducked in, but it was a beta, they ducked mm. back out. And so when they launched, it was kind of like a pebble rather than a big brick dropped in the lake. If yeah. that's a meta Can I do metaphors here? I don't, I don't know, you're not mixing your metaphor. I just don't think the metaphor was not good, good to metaphor. start off with. <laughs> it's, um, they didn't brick the lake, okay? They, they, didn't, they didn't brick the lake. Um, and then also, of course, Doom Eternal got some slightly more detail because I think uh, E3, they literally just showed off that, um, the, yeah. the very short trailer that was basically just like, hey, more Doom guys. Hey, we're but, doing a Doom. Yeah, we're doing a Doom. And here they uh, were like, here's how we're doing the Doom. Yeah, um, I might want to give it five guys, we just did a Doom in there. <laughs> it, it looks it looks really good it looks uh, super tight the combat which was a really highlight of 2016's yeah. Doom that looks like it's coming back it's a direct sequel um, it looks like we're going to Earth in fact I think they actually said we're going to Earth okay. it looks like um, so we're looking at better more exciting environments because okay. there's a more diverse set of things you can do there's going to be more weapons Super Shotgun has a big meat hook equipped to it now nice and you can attach to enemies with the meat hook and it will pull you towards them at which point you will shoot them with the Super Shotgun I can get behind. The yeah. new, uh, I will bow down to our new Super Shotgun Masters. Like, like that there's, there's, there's a lot of exciting new bits, but ultimately the game looks like it's going to try and do the same thing, which okay. is good, because 2016 was good. Now, Doom's 
come to Earth before, right? Because Doom 2 yeah. was Hell on Earth. Yeah. So are, are the new Doom games remakes, or is, is Bethesda trying to make the argument that these all exist within the same shared universe? Um, I, it's difficult because I think ultimately they're reboots, right? Um, yeah. I think that what they've tried to do is they've tried to make this so that you can jump in here fresh, but yeah. they're trying to reference it. So the super shotgun, that's a reference. The armor, that's the whole, all of it references what mm. obviously is one of the FPS classics, but it's distinctly a new product. Yeah. And I think it's all the better for that. I think that the fact that they don't feel restricted by it is really mm. important. It's also helped massively is that the uh, the soundtrack for the, this game oh, and so the 2016 good. one is by Mick Gordon yeah. and it is sublime. I always say that Doom's a bit like video game thrash metal mm. and with this it became literal thrash metal. <laughs> and I think um, it, it, was, it was either over the QuakeCon weekend or it was at some point before the, uh, no, the original Doom, the 2016 Doom was on sale so I picked that up for like a tenner on Steam and um, it yeah, that soundtrack is so and like they they bring it in and out really nicely. Like when you do one of the glory kills, it kind of like drops out, and then there's like the horrible like ripping or tearing sound, and then it kind of like gets back into that da -da 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 -da, uh, type stuff. It's really well done. Um, I, I read somewhere about uh, a new invasion mode for Doom Eternal. Yeah. Um, so one of the most exciting additions about this. Um, so they're having a PvP mode still in the game, and mm -hmm. that's going to be developed in house, but they're not talking about it yet. Okay. The other multiplayer option is this invasion mode, and basically what that seems to mean is that um, other players can jump into a single into a single player character's game. Okay. As as the monsters. And they can group together and they can try and take them down. And what that means is, I mean, Doom ultimately is a series of well-designed, very tight arena fights. Yeah. But it's against predictable AI. Whereas what they have now is um, there's the chance, if you enable invasions, that you will know that there is an enemy player in your game somewhere, but yeah. you won't know who it is. And it's like, could it be that demon over there firing fireballs at you? Oh, no, it's, it's the demon that's just like pushed you off a ledge. Because it's human intelligence, yeah. which basically means that every fight you're involved in suddenly has the potential to be incredibly different. That's gotta be a nightmare to balance from their point of view. If if they're kind of if they're trying to match the kind of the I don't know, like the predictability of AI with the unpredictability of a human. And but then I assume that there'll be a certain understanding from the player's point of view that if you turn on invasion mode, you're it's basically equivalent of playing on like super hard difficulty, right? Yeah, I mean you you've got to understand that this is this is a thing you can turn on or off. Yeah. But if you turn it on, think of it like Dark Souls invasion basically, yeah. right? Is that there is a situation where you, so, someone who is like the world best at Doom could just decide to come in and mess with your day. Yeah. And that is and that unpredictability is going to be really exciting for some, mm. and for others, it's going to not be as appealing. Yeah, I like it'll be really interesting to see how it how it kind of turns out. I could probably see myself turning that on for like a second playthrough, but I think there's that, that kind of first playthrough. Like Doom 2016 was like a fairly challenging game, I feel like, on even like normal difficulty. So, like, I had enough of a struggle getting through that game, <laughs> like, just me against. AI, so I can't even imagine how difficult that would be with other players coming in and messing with me. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the intensity of Doom's combat, it's going to yeah. be something that you really kind of, I, I think there are going to be some times when you just get completely messed up because the mm. players come in at an inconvenient time. Oh, that, that sounds really cool. I'm actually, I'm quite excited for Doom Eternal now. I kind of, I thought I'd had my fill of Doom, and now, like, reading this feature we've got, which we've got up on the site, which is an interview. Yes, um, uh, um, one of our freelancers, Andrew Hayward, went out yeah. to... Uh, he went out to QuakeCon cool. and he spoke to the game's directors about 
what their vision is. And they said, hey, Doom Eternal for us is going to be our Evil Dead 2. They said, it's oh, not, yeah. it's going to be more cartoony. It's going yeah. to be more over the top. We want you to laugh while you're playing it. It's not supposed to be like horrific and intense, mm. but it is going to be much gorier in what they hope is a funny way. Okay. Okay. I was kind of, so I, I was, I was on the fence about Doom Eternal before reading that feature and I kind of read it. I was like, you know what? I can, I can get behind this game. I am, I'm ready. My body is ready for more Doom. Um, and next up we want to talk about uh, Threadripper 2, which uh, for anyone listening is AMD's new flagship CPU. I was about to say flagship CEO. That's not that's not what Threadripper 2 is at all. By Blizzard. <laughs> um, and quiet, Jake. Um, so uh, for anyone that hasn't seen the specs, basically the headline feature here is that this CPU has a massive 32 cores with, with 64 threads, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, and it's a lot more than, than either AMD or Intel ha has done before. Um, I don't know if, if you've had a chance to kind of read, read the reviews that have, have started to co-emerge online, Jake, but um, do you think that this is something that gamers should buy? I mean, so I, uh, I kind of keep an eye on this stuff with yeah. kind of an odd expression. Uh, the general kind of buzz around the office and what we've kind of been talking about recently is that actually Threadripper for gamers is overkill. Yeah. Like it is, it is taking off and nuking the site from orbit for games. Mm. Um, there's... I think there's going to be some people who are going to say, I want that. That is the best yeah. possible component I can have. But at the moment, most games just aren't equipped for this level of power. It's probably not. If you're a gamer, Fred Ripper 2 maybe isn't for you. This is probably aimed more at the kinds of people that are doing a lot of video rendering, that, like these sorts of things that scale really nicely across a lot of cores. Um, but there are some interesting discussions happening about whether um, whether more uh, CPU cores will be used uh, by games in the future. So obviously one of the big things that drives this sort of stuff is um, is what current generation consoles are doing. Um, so, you know, current gen consoles, the limited um, like number of cores and stuff, but uh, at least some people are arguing that if the next generation of consoles kind of like scale up to like four, eight, like they probably won't go as high as 32 cores. I think that'd be pretty crazy. But if they start doing more like multi-core uh, having better multi-core support, uh, then developers will start building their engines to support multiple cores because the biggest audience is still on consoles, and then that sort of stuff will trickle through onto PC. So we might see it change in, in the future, but like for the time being, probably getting more than four cores for specifically gaming is probably overkill, I'd think. I mean, I've been using like a, a fourth generation uh, Intel CP, Intel i7 uh, from about like four years ago, and that's never that never maxes out in games. I was playing Monster Hunter World over the weekend, and I saw it get high, but like that's just because that game is and that's terribly... quite an intense. Um, like our, our review of that last week said that it can get quite intense on your CPU. Yeah. So, so if you're not maxing out there, you're probably you don't need 32 cores. It's, yeah, I know. But just, I just I want it, Jake. I just I want and like the thread like it's this really silly thing, but the Threadripper CPUs are like they're so physically big, they're like putting a little dinner plate <laughs> inside your computer and it just Does this mean um just because I've not looked closely at one. Does this mean that you're going to need a new motherboard as well, basically? Oh yeah, yeah so it's a whole it's a whole new setup. It, yeah, it's basically it's um I mean like AMD and Intel like obviously use different sockets anyway, um, and then I think the the Threadripper um, socket is is like a whole bunch bigger than uh, AMD's like the dinner consumer. plate socket. Yeah, the, the dinner plate socket, and like it's so big that you can't buy like a small form factor motherboard for this thing. Um, so there are some kind of like fan mock-ups on Reddit of like how stupid these things would 
would look if you wanted like a mini ITX motherboard <laughs> for your like living room PC or whatever. So, so yeah, like everything about it is really impractical in terms of like where normal gaming PCs are heading, but there's still just something about it that I want. Um, so moving on now, uh, we had a very big phone announcement uh, last week, which I don't know if, if you got had the chance to, to catch up with. Um, but it was the Note 9, of course, which is uh, Samsung's second biggest phone launch of the year, probably behind the, the Galaxy uh, S line. Uh, so while the Galaxy S line is the kind of like most powerful phone, the Note 9 is uh, slightly bigger. It's got a stylus called the S Pen. Uh, so it's like, it's for those people that, that basically you're gonna buy this if you, if you want the stylus. Um, it looks very similar to what we've seen before, which is kind of, has been the story of Samsung's year, really. Uh, it's got you know, a, Snap, a Snapdragon 845, uh, six gigabytes of RAM. So it's very powerful and stuff. Um, and I suppose the two biggest things that have actually been introduced, you've got an S Pen that's now equipped with Bluetooth. So you can do fun little things like use it as a clicker for presentations, I guess. Or Is that like, a fun little thing? <sighs> That sounds like a productive little thing. What, what, I'm, what I'm doing here, Jake, is I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at a write-up, and I'm really struggling to get too excited about the Note Nine. <laughs> they still call them phablets. Is a Note still a phablet? Well, I mean, I think yes. I don't. I don't That's know. Exciting. I'm excited that phablets still exist because yeah. phablets have kind of started to fall by the wayside a little yeah. bit, and so like. It's like phablet still. I think, still I, I, think on. I think the phablet killed the tablet a little bit. You just got, at a certain point you're like, oh, it's not. It's not a case of using my tiny little like three inch, um, three inch screen uh, phone or my like massive seven inch tablet. It's like okay, now all phones have five a inch phone. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what a big phone is anymore. Basically, because like I'm, st I'm still big. using this like tiny. <laughs> iPhone SE. So pretty much like everything that comes through the office nowadays, I'm like, that that screen is too big. Guys, that is... Well, you need the bigger phone on the Note, um, the bigger screen on the Note, because obviously it's the Fortnite phone now. That's... <gasps> tell, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so a big, a big part of the Note 9 launch is that obviously Fortnite is now coming to Android and you can sign up for the beta now. Now, yeah. the beta was originally locked solely to Samsung's phones. Yeah. And that was the whole big thing, as they were like, play a Note 9, best way to play Fortnite. Yeah. Um, and you could play on some of the older, on some of the older Samsung phones as well. But mm -hmm. primarily, they were like, Note 9, come play Fortnite yeah. on it. They made a big deal. They had Ninja there. Apparently, he's uh, someone the kids like playing Fortnite. Oh, you know, I like, I've seen him around the interwebs. Yeah, yeah. like he's, he's kind of a big deal. <laughs> and um, they've started to roll that out now elsewhere, but there are actually reports of performance issues on other phones that aren't Samsung mm. branded at the moment. Okay. So at the moment, if if you want to play Fortnite on the go and you don't want to play with an iPhone, because obviously it's it's on iOS, it's making them a ton of money there. Mm. It was something like a million a day a couple of months back. So it's really wow. raking cash in. But yeah. iPhone screens, if you don't have a plus, are generally quite small. So with the Note, at least you've got a bigger space to yeah. visualize your big buildings or horrific murders. Yeah, know? I mean, especially when, because it's it's a game that was designed for gamepads. So I haven't actually played a mobile version of Fortnite, but I assume they're kind of it's, it's the kind of game where they've got like buttons on screen and stuff, and you're so you're using up quite a lot of the screen just like swiping around and controlling just it. Just the furniture, yeah, yeah. Um, so it really it really is the case that if you want to play Fortnite on the go and you want to play on mobile, you're not going to have a great time regardless, yeah. I think. But if, if you are willing to take the touch controls, then you, this big screen is genuinely going to be like a benefit. And yeah. I think with Fortnite being 
so stupendously popular right now. Like that is actually going to win it some fans. I think it's a really smart move from them. Yeah. Um, I mean, like talking about the uh, the performance issues people have been having, it seems like the the thing that's that's um, hindering some handsets is only having four gigabytes of RAM. So I get the impression that Fortnite on Android is very memory intensive, and so at least Epic Games' line that, that they've kind of said is that if you've got lots of background processes open, then they're eating into your RAM. So Fortnite doesn't have enough, so like performance suffers. But so many handsets on the market now do just have four gigs of RAM. Like uh, having more than four gigs of RAM is is a a a very recent thing, and b something that is available on quite expensive phones. Um, I mean, you know, if you've got like a Razer phone or something that's got six gigs of six gigabytes of RAM, the Note but that's 9, a gaming phone, right? Like that's yeah. the whole point. So if you care about this stuff, then you can. But I imagine a lot of people that want to play Fortnite, like particularly because it's 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 popular with like teenagers and stuff, and like. I remember being a teenager and not having like hundreds and hundreds of pounds to buy like a new phone every year. So it's kind of a shame that like it's not it's not better optimized. But you know, it's in beta. Like things are in beta for a reason. So maybe in future it'll get more they'll optimize it. Yeah, I, I that's it. The thing is there's a the beta, they are going to try and get as much performance out of as possible. Mm. When I went to uh I went to Unreal's kind of like festival in Berlin yeah. and they talked about where they were going and like mobile for them is massive. They think that it should all be one ecosystem. Right. You should be able to play a game with your friends on whatever you've got and whatever they've got. Mm -hmm. And they will work on that because the thing is it is making the money faster than they can <laughs> faster than yeah. they can utilize it to improve things, right? Yeah. So they will get there. It's good for them. But I wonder if mobile technology is gonna to need to advance a little bit to meet it halfway. Yeah, I think you're right. Um so, moving on then, uh, there were a couple more things like, that were announced, but, you know, another smartwatch, uh, another, a Bixby smart speaker. You don't sound excited. I just... <sighs> no, let's move on. You can't Gamescom is next week, Jake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am actually, uh, I am leaving the country tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I don't know when this goes out, but tomorrow, you can work it out. Yeah. Um, to go to a Rainbow Six event, and then I am going straight on to Gamescom. So my Gamescom basically starts as soon as I'm done with this podcast. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, it'll be sad to see you go. Um, but what what can we expect from Gamescom? Like, what's what's the thing that you're like? You know what? I've got a crazy week ahead of me, but this one announcement will make it all worthwhile. Um, so my my big wish list, my ultimate wish list, yeah. as it has been since since the last five years, has basically been a new Splinter Cell game. Okay, I am desperate for a new Splinter Cell game. Ubisoft is uh, there are rumours that Ubisoft have got a new game mm. um, that they are going to announce at Gamescom, but we okay. just don't know what it'll be. And I mean, I was convinced that uh, E3's Ubisoft new game was going to be yeah. Splinter Cell, and it was Assassin's Creed. Um, so you I should have seen that coming, Jake. <sighs> Come on. They gave it three years between. Like, they gave it like two years between like Syndicate and uh, Origins, right? Yeah. So I assumed they'd go back onto the two-year cycle, but no, they're just pushing them out again. Yeah. And that's fine if you like your historical epics once a year and constant. But I just really want to be Grizzly Michael Ironside and strangle a terrorist in Bolivia. Remind me where we're at with Splinter. The last Splinter Cell game I played to completion was. Chaos Theory. Okay, so so quite a long time ago, and since then they've kind of gone through like a whole bunch of different eras of Splinter Cell, and none of them have really like enticed me to get back into it. So the last Splinter Cell, ooh, the last Splinter Cell was Blacklist. There we go. That took me a couple of okay. seconds to. They they kind of did this thing where, in true Tom Clancy style, they started just taking silly names. So Chaos Theory is not. A serious name. No. But then they're like, 
double agent conviction and blacklist. Like none of them are. Now was was blacklist the one where when you disappeared out of an enemy's line of sight, you kind of see your like ghost. And um, that's, that's part it... of it now. That, okay. that came in in Conviction. And it's actually really smart because you can use it to manipulate people in a very visible and easy way. Okay. Um, Blacklist had you like on a flying plane with mm. your team of spies and you would run missions around the world, which largely involved strangling people. There was some like takedowns. It was, you know, it's... It's Splinter Cell. It's Splinter Cell and Splinter Cell now has been so homogenized. Like original Splinter Cell was kind of super flexible spy doing mm. like splits on walls. Yep. Now, to be honest, it's just a... Like run around at waist height and uh, knock people out, and that's all right because they do it well. Have you heard the original story about the splits on walls thing from the original Splinter Cell? No, please. That apparently, that wasn't planned to be in the game, and uh, someone, at least at least the urban legend I heard, it was someone from marketing. Um, put it in some promotional materials, this kind of like Sam Fisher kind of looming above people doing the splits on walls. And everyone connected so much with that image, they were like, ah, oh, we gotta, we got to put this in the game now. So actually, if you go back and play the original Splinter Cell, there aren't that many places where you can do the splits on walls move. And it doesn't make any sense. There's never a situation playing those early Splinter Cells. Yeah. It's like, you know what would really help me out here is if I ran up the wall and did a split above a man. Oh, but that's... It's so cool. I don't know. The, 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 things that I, the thing that I really loved about the original Splinter Cells was that like you spent most of them in just complete darkness. Like you played like 98% of those games in night vision mode. And then your character has those like three lights like glued to his head like fairy lights. The echelon goggles. Yeah. And I'm just what's what like what are you what are you guys trying to claim here? Is this like is this stuff that's only visible to I don't I don't know. It's only visible to the player. Obviously, yeah. like the light meter on his back. Otherwise, he's just sneaking around like, oh, I'm, I'm in light, so the back of me is glowing. Oh. <laughs> um, do you think... Uh, well, I mean, what, what studio was, was made, made the Splinter Cell games like back in the day? Like, do you think that... Um, they are internal Ubisoft studios, right. um, so it's difficult to say for sure. I mean, that's just what I want. That's what I want ideally. Um, what I know will be there and what I'm excited for is uh, Cyberpunk. Oh, um, nice. Cyberpunk was unveiled at, unveiled at E3 properly. Yeah. Um, I didn't get an appointment to see it there, so I am. I have been chomping at the bit. I have been sat here in the office since June, just wow. like like fist in mouth, waiting for a chance to play Cyberpunk. Have they have they said what they're showing off? Is it going to be the gameplay that's behind closed doors at E3? Um, I believe so. Okay. Um, they might have some additional information there because okay. obviously it's been two further months. But yep. the thing with CD Projekt Red is that they take their time. It's like a yes. fine wine situation. Yeah. We will get Cyberpunk probably at some point in like 2020, 2021. Right. And there will be a drip feed of information before then. But I am personally here for all of it. Yeah. And will that gameplay, do we know if it's still going to be behind closed doors at Gamescom? I imagine it will be, but it would be surprising if they don't show off something. Right? Yeah. Like it's, it's getting to the point where there's so much excitement around it for people that haven't been behind those closed doors mm. that it, they, should, they should show it off. I mean, it, it's so, it felt very anachronistic, right? That you're kind of, that at least growing up when I was reading my gaming coverage in like magazines and stuff, there's always, there'd always be this talk of like, oh, we've seen trailers behind closed doors and we wish you could show you guys. But nowadays it's, there's not really that much that you get from going to E3 that you couldn't get sitting at home. You know, all the press conferences are live streamed. You get a better view sitting at home. Um, all the trailers are kind of like up online. 
Um, but that cyberpunk thing is the, the only thing I can think of in recent memory where it's a highly anticipated game and they showed off basically nothing. Uh, Doom in 2016 at QuakeCon, okay. actually. The, footage at, the, the gameplay footage of Doom back in 2016 was... It became a bit of an urban legend among games journalists right. because they came back from QuakeCon changed. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've seen it. We've seen the... Uh... Have you seen Doom? Yeah, and it'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I saw Doom. the footage and like, you would hear like, there'd be like forum posts from people or Reddit posts where they'd be like, yeah. I saw a man's arm get torn off and you'd be like, oh man. <laughs> so, and, so, well, like, so someone just has a wall with loads of like red string across it and people like pulling together these little accounts going like oh what's this game going to look yeah like? and I mean that was that was what it felt like to be a games journalist that hadn't gone to QuakeCon in, 20, in, uh, in when Doom was unveiled yeah because you were trying to like write a preview of this game that you've never seen <laughs> and that there is no footage available of so you're just kind of like well I guess this will happen yeah like pulling together a what we know page about that to try and inform people was impossible it's like I guess the man's arm got torn off <laughs> there are unverified reports that a man's arm <laughs> may or may not have been torn off it's good it makes me feel like a real journalist <laughs> yeah, exactly know? allegedly the arm was removed it's coming through from the wire yep no confirmed <laughs> um, reports the um, NVIDIA information that's obviously going to be big this is something I'm kind of I am really um, excited about oh actually just done a little bit of quick googling uh QuakeCon 2014 was when that Doom was footage. That when that was? Yeah. Um, but can you remember at the top of your head whether this was the cancelled Doom that was like Call of Duty Doom or whether this was actually what became Doom 2016? I believe this is what became Doom 2016 uh, because okay. of all the glory kills and stuff like that were in it. But I didn't know that there was a Call of Duty Doom, which makes me feel oh, like. Oh, but yeah, but this was like. I Call mean, of Doom D. In, in those weird uh, hinter years? I don't know. The, like the, that, that time when it didn't really do that much. And like they'd done rage, right? And they were kind of like, what now? Yeah, and like John Carmack left, and it kind of felt like they were a little bit directionless. Uh, it was after Doom Three, which I think we can all we can all say, with the benefit of hindsight, was not that good. I just, I'm amazed that I'm amazed that any sort of soldier wouldn't be able to hold a gun and a flashlight. And I remember saying that nearly in tears, playing this game as like a 14 year old. And I, I get really scared. I'm, yeah. I'm scared of everything, like. Things moving too quickly scares me. And so I'm walking there with like the flashlight and then you, you turn the corner with the flashlight. There's a zombie right there, reaches for your face. Yeah. I panic, scream at the top of my voice and start mashing the uh, left click and beat him to death with his flashlight. <laughs> and then just step away from the game and I'm yeah. like, like blubbing to my, uh, to my best friend, the kid like, why, why can't the Marine hold a flashlight that and a gun? It was all jump scares. That, it was all, it was jump scares, not that many enemies on screen at a time. <sighs> Just be a pal. I really love FPS games, but I cannot do jump scares. Uh, but you just started talking about NVIDIA's announcements next week. Yes. Uh, what, have, what have they got coming? Cool. So uh, we're, looking at the, we're looking at the next card. Um, rumors are that it's going to be like a 2000 series. Cool. Um, and based on what I know about NVIDIA and based on what we know about how they release cards, what yeah. we will see first is the power card. Yeah. So we'll have, I guess, a 2080 or yep. whatever they choose to call it. And that's going to be using their uh, Turing technology, yep. which you're probably going to know more about because I'm only interested in how it affects me playing games. But I saw the the Star Wars ray tracing demo yes. is is wonderful. Yeah. So I mean, the, the big thing that's coming with this generation of cards, like obviously they'll be faster. You know, th this computing hardware gets faster every year. But the big new piece of tech is this ray tracing tech. Um, so and this kind of affects how lighting is done in games. So 
at the moment you have something that seems quite crude in comparison where like the engine knows the direction of the light source and then it can kind of like light half of the object and put the other half in shadow and then kind of like approximate um, a, a, it casting a shadow on the floor and stuff. Ray tracing is that, but it's way more advanced. So they're kind of almost simulating the different paths of light coming out of a thing. So it's not, it's not pulling any trickery. It's like, this is how this object would be lit. And like, it's amazing. You can kind of go on YouTube and you can watch uh, tech demos people have put together of like um, hacking, uh, like a, a kind of a different form of ray tracing called path tracing, hacking that into Quake 2, which is obviously a game that's like decades old. And it makes Quake 2 look phenomenal. These things that are like eight polygons, but because they're lit properly, it just, they look like real objects. It looks incredible. Um, and then you look at yeah, the Star Wars demo, like the, the stuff that Nvidia showed off at GDC earlier this year, all that ray tracing stuff looks lovely and hopefully that will come to games sooner or later but my big question for this stuff is is uh, ray tracing or I think Nvidia is calling it RTX is that going to be like Nvidia Hairworks where a game developer will have to go and turn around and go like I'm going to build this Nvidia technology specifically into my game or is it going to be a kind of a more open thing where a game developer can go like I'm going to build this thing in and like AMD cards are still going to be able to run it and because that's, you know, how many games have NVIDIA Hairworks is the question. So... Well, protagonists are all balding and grizzled, so... Yeah, well, I mean, that's one way of getting around the problem. Or you have, like, Geralt and you give him lovely, luscious hair and have to invest in NVIDIA's proprietary tech to, just to make that work. Um, so that's, that's my big question. But, I don't know, my, my machine needs uh, a new card, so... I, for the first time in my life, I might watch an announcement and then place a pre-order if it looks good. So I've I mean, I'll be in the room so I can I can relay back to you like a buy or sell order. Yeah, that that would be lovely. Oh, if you could just like take my order, I'll like I'll we transfer you some funds. Yeah, if you actually you could just send me with your card. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's fine. I'll, I'll so, look after it. so my security number is two. No, um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at with with the Nvidia stuff. Like it it will be faster but then also hopefully ray tracing will be that kind of like big new thing. Um, so yeah, and you'll be, so you'll be at Gamescom all of next week. Yeah, I mean, like to, to plug us, I guess you've got to listen to us if you're here, right? Yeah. Like uh, we're going to have lots and lots of coverage from the show. Mm -hmm. Like we're pretty much seeing all of the, all of the games coming up, um, most of the big announcements, and we're just going to try and get, as hands, get our hands on as many possible things. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, so it's yourself and uh, Jordan King. Yeah, uh, um, our game director. director, Jordan King, they're going to be going out with me as well. Um, it's going to be their first Gamescom, so it's actually going to be, you know, we'll laugh, we'll cry. <laughs> you'll grow as humans. And yeah, you'll the, that the, the real, real Gamescom will be the friends we make along the way. <sighs> it's, it's, I think it's maybe a problem, but I was about to make exactly the same joke, <laughs> which is, I think, I think that's a good sign overall, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a great feeling. The trusted hive mind. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but, Unless there's anything else that, that you're super excited to see at Gamescom. That right. is all we've got time for on this week's episode of Renews. So thank you so much for listening. And Jake, thank you so much for, for co-hosting this week. Um, and don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes uh, if you've enjoyed this episode. Although, of course, we do welcome both positive and negative feedback. So if you have any comments or suggestions, then do let us know. So thank you so much, guys. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. See ya. See ya. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>